This is episode 154. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Hey everybody, how are you? Uh, welcome back. I'm actually grateful to be back here on the podcast. This is me, Siope. And uh, welcome to another episode of the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Now, again, we cover issues involving ADHD, but the, the concepts that we're teaching are concepts you can use with children who struggle with a variety of issues. They're just consistently good, evidence-based ways to approach child behavior. And so I just want to stress that I am receiving calls from people with children with ADHD, but also parents who have issues with children who do not have ADHD. And the skills that we teach are transferable. So kind of amazing. I mean, how to communicate, you can teach that to any child, how to prevent them from having issues or tantrum behaviors. You really can teach that to any child. So Again, it's kind of amazing the work that we're able to do. This is the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. However, we're able to reach out to a lot of different people, a lot of different parents with a lot of uh, different issues. And that's what makes it so beautiful about what we do here at Smarter Parenting. Now, for the past two weeks, you've been able to enjoy Kimber. And I am, again, so grateful to have Kimber on the podcast and Kimber really comes with so much experience that it's such a blessing to have her here. She can share a lot of information with you in addition to what I'm sharing with you. So today's topic is one that parents who have children, regardless of whether or not they have ADHD, will benefit from because we're talking about screen time. We're talking about how to keep your child safe online. Now, because I'm bringing this up, I do need to stress that what was acceptable maybe even 10 years ago has changed. What was the recommendations five years ago has changed. So I think some parents will be surprised at what they hear in regards to what is appropriate as far as your child engaging in, in screen time. I think that that has been exacerbated by the pandemic. I think the pandemic has led parents to using more screen time with their children, but also parents have used more screen time. So uh, the recommendations have adjusted and they have changed. And so I'm excited to share this with you. Now, this podcast is brought to you specifically from Olivia and her son, Stanley. Olivia called about her and her husband's concerns with screen time for their seven-year-old son. And Stanley really struggled with tantrum behaviors, especially when they asked him to turn the device off. So we initially worked on dealing with the tantrum, but the bigger issue was helping them navigate how to keep their child safe online and what were the parameters and agreements that they should have as parents in helping raise their child in a world where screen time is pretty normal. So the three things we're going to cover in this podcast, thanks to Olivia and Stanley, are first, we're going to talk about how to approach screen time with your child, things that you need to consider. Second, parenting monitoring apps that you can download on your device, and the technology behind this has actually gotten better over the years. So we're going to talk about what apps are available, 
We'll talk a little bit about what they do. I will include a link in the uh, notes to the podcast that you can download and you can see what is available for you as a parent to implement and help you monitor screen time. And the third thing we're going to focus on is using the skill of effective communication to talk about the difficult topics, specifically around screen time, how you can talk to your child. So as I was talking to Olivia, I was discussing with her the importance of understanding their approach to screen time. When do they use screen time as a family? When does she give the device to her son Stanley? Is she doing it in order to distract him? Is she doing it in order to allow him to learn something new or only when he needs it? Is he only using it for school? So it made me go down the rabbit hole of what are the recommendations from professionals now in regards to screen time. A small study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, it's also known as JAMA, showed significant impact on brain development when children between the ages of three to five years were exposed unsupervised to more than the amount of recommended screen time. Now, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, he reports that Children ages 8 to 10 spend an average of 6 hours per day in front of the screen. So from 8 to 10 years of age, 6 hours a day in front of a screen. Kids ages 11 to 14 spend an average of 9 hours per day in front of a screen. That's more than a full-time job for an 11-year-old to a 14-year-old. Youth ages 15 to 18, so a little bit older, spend an average of seven and a half hours per day in front of a screen. So a lot more socialization. For me, I attribute that to their autonomy. You know, 15 to 16, they're driving, they're able to meet friends in different places. They're not restricted to one location. So there's a lot more sociality happening when they get a little bit older. So I'm happy to see that number decrease as they get a little bit older. So I was talking to Olivia and I said, you know, as your child grows, the one-size-fits-all approach to screen time, so screen time for an 8-year-old and a screen time for an 18-year-old, doesn't fit. You don't want a one-size-fits-all approach. It doesn't really work as well. So you'll need to decide how much media to let your child use each day and what is appropriate for their screen time. I had her consider applying the same rules to her child's real and virtual environments. So we sat down, you know, for play with your child. What are the things that you want to emphasize? Well, for Olivia, it was kindness. She wanted to teach her child how to be kind, both in the real world and in the virtual world. And then we talked about being inclusive, being involved, The things that parents need to do, they need to know who their children are hanging out with in the real world, as well as in the virtual world. So we're just taking those expectations from what is her expectation for her child's behavior in the real world, and how do we translate that to the online world? And really, the rules stay the same with some minor adjustments. So whatever she's doing in order to ensure safety with her child in the real world, we want to apply that in the virtual world. 
I also asked her to keep in mind that the quality of the media that her child is exposed to is more important than the type of technology or the amount of time spent. Now, that is the new switch that has happened in medical studies and medical journals. Initially, when screen time came out and studies about how children are engaging online, the recommendation was to give very specific time frames. I remember saying, well, you only want them on the screen for three hours and try to apply that to all children. The recommendation now is that the quality of the media your child is exposed to is more important, and that should be a determining factor in how much time your child spends. Now, this was surprising to Olivia because she's like, well, I have Stanley who has our time and he throws tantrums when we ask him to turn in his device, but we also have other children in the home. They don't throw tantrums, and yet some of them may be doing things that are not as engaging. So Stanley likes to do reading games. He likes to learn things online where Olivia's other children would prefer to watch movies or listen to music. And so it's a different way of approaching technology in that you as a parent have to evaluate what is my child doing online and in what ways is this beneficial? So again, we're going to use that same concept of what do you do with your child in the outside world and what are the rules and expectations? What are the activities you want your child participating in? Well, I want them to, you know, do things that are engaging or interactive. I want them to learn something, to have a skill. And so apply that to their virtual world. You want to be able to have that translatable. And then pay attention to the time. So time spent on the device is not as important as what they're spending their time on on the device. Now, to ensure quality screen time for parents, this is for you. You need to preview the programs, games, and apps before allowing your child to view or play with them. Now, there are organizations that review games and activities, so you don't have to play the game for a week before you give it to your child. Just do some online research. There's one that I would recommend. It's called Common Sense Media. And it can help you determine what's appropriate. Very, it can give you ideas about what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. They have a rating system on there for games and activities and for movies. So jump over to Common Sense Media to evaluate. If my child is going to play this game, hmm, how can I see what it's about, understand what it's about, and engage with my child? Now, the second thing that you should consider as a parent when your child is on a screen is seek out interactive options that engage your child. So rather than those games or activities that just require you to push or swipe or just stare at the screen, you want something that's more interactive. There are books online, interactive books, where you can choose your adventure or you can make your character move. And there is an app I enjoy using with children, and it has to do with creating puppets or animal animations on a device like your iPad. Having them learn how to create a story, it comes with characters and a background, it's free. That is a fun activity for some children to do because they can make the characters move across the screen, they can lift their arms and their legs. Really, the possibilities are endless. And so there are options out there to choose interactive 
type activities rather than activities where they're just watching or swiping or pressing a button. Okay, so seek out interactive activities. And of course, you as a parent will want to use parental controls to block or filter internet content. Now, you want to make sure your child is close by during screen time so that you can supervise his or her activities. Don't let your child go to their room and have access to the internet because we would never do that. That's like if we were to apply the external world and just not have any walls to their room to let them peek and gander and look and do whatever they want. No, we have rooms with walls to protect us. And so it's important for you as a parent to also, in a virtual world, apply that same principle, only this time with a device. You want your child close by where you can monitor what they're doing. Now, you also want to ask your child regularly what programs, games, and apps he or she has played with. And you can check this on their device, how much time they spend on a game or activity. Now, when watching programming with your child, discuss what you're watching and educate, talk, teach about advertising and commercials. Now, advertisements and commercials are meant to engage our senses and meant to get us to purchase something. And so, psychologically, there's a draw to commercials to make us want something that we may not want. Now, an unsophisticated mind, and what I mean is a child that is unaware that that is the purpose of a commercial, will immediately want to buy into what the commercial is talking about. And you as a parent are there to guide them along this process to say, okay, this is meant to make you want to purchase this item. However, we are not going to purchase it because boom, 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 or commercials are set up to make us desire things that we don't necessarily need. And this is really important because as your child is on a device, advertisements bombard all of us. You just can't get away with it inside your games, inside social media, even an app that you may purchase, they'll always ask for an upgrade or they'll show you some ads on how to bring in additional features. It's always around us. So teaching your children early to recognize commercials and advertisements and what the purpose is will help your child better understand when these things pop up. Now, if at all possible, you want your child to participate in activities and games where you can put it in airplane mode and there isn't this active feed constantly going on or updates constantly going on during their game or activity. So you want to also avoid fast-paced programming, which young children have a hard time understanding, apps with a lot of distracting content or violent media. Eliminate advertising that they see on apps, helping them know the difference between the desire of a commercial or an advertisement on an app and what you really need. Now, since young children have trouble telling the difference between ads and factual information, again, it's important for you to teach to your child the importance of recognizing what advertisements are and what they're meant to do. I can't tell you how important this part is because if not, you are going to have a child that wants to buy upgrades all the time on the device. And you will have children who will be more susceptible to the suggestions of the advertisements that pop up. And that leads to poor impulse control because they will see something they don't necessarily need, but that they want. And they will consistently bother you as a parent to get it. 
Now, at some point, your child will be exposed to content that you haven't approved and devices without internet filters. This is a reality. Whether or not it's at school or a friend's house, they're bound to run into this. So you need to have effective communication as a way to talk to your child about the situations that could occur and the behavior that you expect. So encourage your child to think critically about what they see on their screens. Ask your child to consider whether everything on the internet is accurate. Does your child know how to tell if a website is trustworthy? Help your child understand that media is made by humans with points of view and explain that many types of technology collect data to send users ads to make money. So all of these things are are things that parents need to consider as their children are on devices. And the one thing that was surprising to me and both Olivia is that switch in saying these are set time frames and then have your children go out. Now the focus is be sure your child is engaging, interacting, and what they're doing on the device is more important than how much time they're spending on the device. Now, setting limits for older children, because we're, we're talking about the gamut here from, you know, really young until older, set reasonable limits for your child's screen time, especially if your child uses screens and it hinders their involvement in other activities. They do recommend that you don't let them be on the device all day. It's just be aware of what they're doing and how they're learning and what they're learning online. But you do want your child to live in the real world, which is the environment and the people that are in their daily lives that they can meet and that they can interact with. Some of the things that I had Olivia consider are to prioritize unplugged, unstructured time very specific times of the day when there are no devices. You want to create tech-free zones in your area, such as uh, the dinner table during mealtime. Turn off all devices and put them away. You can do that every night of the week. You can do that one night a week and build from there, but you want to create some tech-free zones. I have a friend who has an area in their living room where they have a lot of books. And so it's a tech-free zone there. If you're going to go in that area, you can read a book, but you are not allowed to bring your device into that area. And just by making those expectations clear, it helps set up this environment that, hey, devices are welcome in some places, but in some places they're just inappropriate. And this translates later on to when your child goes, for example, to the movie theater or to see a play or show. There are places where devices really are not welcome and should not be welcome. Now, you want to discourage the use of media entertainment during homework. Okay, now you can set music off to the side if they need something calm and relaxing, but try not to have your child on their device while they're doing their homework. Now, I can hear parents already saying, well, my child depends on the technology to do their homework. What do you want to do, if at all possible, is get all the data that they need to do the homework and then put it in airplane mode or turn off the internet so ads are not consistently popping up, okay? You want to set and enforce daily or weekly screen time limits and curfews, such as no exposure to devices or screens one hour before bedtime. That's just good practice. You don't want to wire your kids up and be excited an hour before bedtime. You want them to be calm. Now, consider using apps that control the length of time a child can use their device. We're going to talk more about what apps are available for you to use. 
So it's important for you to do some homework and find out what is the best fit for your family. Some people love certain apps, some people love other apps, but they all love them for different reasons. So finding out what is the best for you. Now for Olivia, because we're dealing with a tantrum behavior with Stanley, the best thing for her to do would be to set a timer that would give him warning that the device was going to turn off in 15, five minutes, and then eventually turn off. What this did was allowed him to recognize there's a time limit, and if I don't get off and save my game, then I will lose my game. Very helpful because what we're doing is we're preparing him, but at the same time, this keeps Olivia from just popping up out of nowhere and saying, Stanley, give me your device, your time is up. Which for any child who is really involved in a game or activity, that's very difficult for them to regulate their emotions because they want what they want at that moment and they don't realize, hey, I need to now make a 180 switch when in fact that's what you want them to do. So you're kind of preparing them along the way. So you also want to require that your children charge their devices outside of their bedroom at night. We do that with our daughter. Her phone and her devices are in our room at night charging, and then in the morning she comes and she checks on them. If you're wondering about alarm clocks, she actually has one of those wind-up alarm clocks. So there you go. We went old school that way because devices are too distracting. We want her to get good night's rest, and we do not want her online until way late in the morning. You can choose what you're going to do with your own child. So keep screens out of your child's bedroom if at all possible. Limit your own screen time because your children will learn from your example. And then eliminate background noises so your child is used to silence, all right? I know a lot of kids that are not used to silence, but silence is bliss. Now, I'm going to just give some names, and I will include this also in the notes of apps that you can download to help monitor your child's interactions online. There's something called Bark. It has a little blue dog as part of the logo, and it comes rated fairly high as being effective, but that's on a subscription. You get a seven-day free trial. There are paid ones, which actually work better. There are other ones that are free. They don't work as well. So this one monitors and tracks social media, email, monitors keywords that you can talk about. If it pops up, you will be notified. It monitors most apps. Nothing is 100% foolproof, but this one actually is pretty good. It does content filtering. So there are a lot of features on this app. Now Norton, N-O-R-T-O-N, it also has a parenting app that helps you monitor what your child is doing online. Custodia, Q-U-S-T-O-D-I-O, is also available. Now, don't worry about writing these down. If you want these, you can jump over to the Smarter Parenting podcast for this episode, and you can download all of these, and it will give you information about these. So Custodia is also one that comes pretty highly ranked. Asset is another one, E-S-E-T, M-Spy, which I always thought was an interesting name, M-Spy, because, you know, some people feel like, hey, you're infringing on my privacy, you're spying, but children need guidance and parents need to know where their children are. So is that spying? Well, call it what you want, but it's responsible parenting to know where your children are and what they're doing and where they're engaged. So there's also one called Screen Time. 
Now, for my daughter, when she was younger, we did have an app that we used to monitor her. And we set time limits, and she knew exactly what the time limits were. So that helped us avoid the arguments between, hey, I'm almost done, just let me finish, you're not fair, or whatever it may be, to, oh, I only have a certain amount of time, and the device itself will turn off. So I'm not going in there turning off the device. All of a sudden, the device is useless. So, you know, game's over. It's definitely something for parents to consider when they have children who are on devices and in ways that you can keep them safe. So with uh, Olivia and Stanley, we started using effective communication to talk about digital literacy. And this definitely was something that we wanted to bring out for their family, because this is an ongoing conversation. If you feel like I'm going to talk to my child about this topic, and you feel like this is a one and done, I can promise you it's never a one and done. You need to go back and revisit. As your child continually grows, you are going to have to have these conversations over and over and over again, but they're going to look different. They'll look different because your child is older, they'll have their own opinions, and they'll provide their feedback. So be open to this idea of, hey, I am going to talk to my child about this, and we will see exactly where they are right now. We'll set some limits, and then we will adjust. My recommendation for parents is to check in with these topics every six months, because a lot can happen in a child's life in six months. So you'll want to reassess things as you go. So let's talk about effective communication and what I taught Olivia to do with Stan in regards to communicating about digital literacy and about devices. Now, for his tantrum behaviors, we use this idea of having a timer on the device. She felt like that was going to work. For other families where a child is having a tantrum meltdown, when you are asking for the device, we may use a different skill depending on what it is that the parent feels will work best in order to get them to a point where you can talk about these things. And this is the beauty of parenting overall is that this needs to be customizable to your family and to your situation. So with Olivia, I went through the steps of effective communication and I'm going to go through the steps so you understand what they are and then talk to you about how I helped Olivia communicate with her son about devices and being safe online. So the first step to effective communication is to pay attention to your child. When they're talking to you, you want to pay attention. Number two is once your child is finished speaking, you want to use their words to describe what you understood. Now, it's important for you to use their words because that requires you to think think about what they're saying and reinterpret it, but it also allows your child to better understand it. Because if you say it in your own words, then they have to retranslate it and see if it fits. So using their words is more helpful for them to say, that's exactly what I mean. Saves time. Step number three is you want to ask your child, after you state what they said in their own words, you want to ask your child if what you said is what they meant. Now, this is going towards clarification, so you want to clarify. Now, if you are right, they're going to be like, yes. If you are wrong, they're going to say, no, that's not what I meant, and they'll say it again, and you will continue with steps one and two, and then back to three, until your child says, 
That is exactly what I meant. Now, step number four is after you clarified that you understood your child, you want to state your own thoughts on the subject, okay? If you notice, step number four is where you start expressing your own opinion about it. Step number five, they must then repeat what they heard. And you are going to say, yes, that is correct, that's what I meant, or no, that's not what I meant, and then restate it. And again, we're looking for understanding. So the first three steps are all about understanding your child and their point of view. Step number four and five are about you expressing your point of view and then checking in with your child to be sure that your child understands what you're trying to say. And then step number six is if there's an issue, and in this case, it's about screen time, you want to come to a solution if possible. Now, if you can't come to a solution, you will continue to effectively communicate, or you may want to jump over to a different skill on the Smarter Parenting website called decision-making. This will help you solve any issues weighing the pros and cons of what it is you are discussing. So I taught these steps to Olivia, and we practiced it together, and we focused specifically on being able to communicate his frustrations. Now, remember, her son Stanley would throw a tantrum, so we were addressing that by giving him warnings along the way and then allowing the device to turn off. Now it was time to be able to put into words what is going on with him when he is angry or throwing a tantrum, because we're trying to understand better how can we intervene to help her child remain calm and be okay. So as we practice this skill, this is what it would sound like, okay? Olivia would come in the room and say, okay, Stanley, we need to talk. So I want to talk to you about your behavior when you become upset. When I ask you to turn the device off or hand in the device, can you tell me what is happening? So step number one, she's going to pay attention to whatever he says next. So look at your child who's talking, pay attention. And then once your child is finished speaking, you are going to use their words to describe what you understood. That's step number two. So then Stanley states, well, I just get frustrated because I'm playing my game, and if I don't save my game, then I lose it, and it's like I did all that work for nothing. Step number three, Olivia. Okay, so what I understand is that if you don't finish your game and save your game, you're going to lose your game. And so when I ask you to give me the device, the game isn't saved yet. And then Stanley would repeat, yeah, I, I want to say, be able to save the game so I can play it later. So she's going to repeat that also. Oh, so you want to be able to save the game. Saving the game is important to you. Yes. Okay. Then you move on to step four. This is where Olivia states in a calm manner her thoughts. Well, you know, for me, we have things that we need to get done in the home. So uh, when I ask you to put the device away, it's time for dinner. And I want us to all have a good dinner together. And so I need that done, and then we can do everything else that we need to do for the rest of the night. If I'm waiting for you, it's super hard. Now, after she repeated this, I gave her counsel on this feedback because it's really long for a child. So you want to shorten and tighten it up. Focus on one point in that step. State your thoughts on the subject using just one point at a time. So how to restate. 
Olivia. So when I'm asking you to turn in the device, I already have plans for what our family needs to do, and this slows our family down. Step number five, wait until he understands that because he's paying attention, and then he's to repeat back what he understood. So, Stanley, oh, so you have a plan, and if I don't get off the device, when you say to get off the device, everything is behind, or we're going to be late. She's like, yes. So what can we do about this? And he'll sit there and wonder and think. And as we were rehearsing and practicing this, so she knew how to approach it when the time came with her son, I suggested, well, now you have two very specific points of view. He wants to play and save the game so he doesn't lose his progress. And you want him to finish in order to move on with your day. Is there a compromise in there somewhere? And of course, Olivia is like, absolutely. We need to allow him to save the game and um, be able to do that and then do that before she needs him to end so they can you know, have dinner together as a family. So as she is preparing to communicate with her child about this, she already has in her mind an idea of how to approach it, what she's going to do and how she's going to resolve these issues. Now, I warned her and I said, you know, your child may bring up a different point of view. What you want to do as a parent is focus on one issue at a time. Address those, come to a resolution, then move on to another issue. Don't let your child distract you into trying to address 10 issues because even they have a hard time keeping track of that. So focus on one issue at a time and let them know. So I gave an example uh, of what I did with Olivia in order to practice, and she did the best she could to represent her child and then the role play. In following up with Olivia later, it happened very similar. They came up with a different plan in order to address the tantrum behaviors with having the device turn off. But it's all about finding what works for your family. So first off, He was going to be warned by the device. And then she, mom, was required to go and warn him five minutes before and say, hey, it's going to turn off in five minutes. You should start saving your game right now. So save your game right now or you're going to lose it. Allowing him enough time to say, okay. And really what you're doing is guiding him along the process. Now, as she was was explaining this to me, I asked her to stand by him when he is saving the game and asking him for the first couple of times how to save the game. So the reason I had mom do that is because it would help him follow through with saving the game and turning the device off or having the device turn off on its own. When a parent is there observing and learning from a child and a child is showing them Okay, so he's saving the device, and the more he practices that, the more he's able to follow through with the expectation. So Olivia, for the first week, would go in and say, okay, there's five minutes, save the game. I need you to walk me through how you save your games and sit down with him and then have him walk through the whole process. Now, she knew how to save the game after, you know, the second day. She was fine. But she continued to do it at my request in order to help him follow through for a week. And this was the idea to help him really adopt and accept that this is what you do when mom says, you have five minutes left, you better save your game. So he's so used to it that he can follow through with it again. 
in many ways, this is a role play because, and that's a skill we teach on Smarter Parenting, we're practicing with a child what to do and we're making it part of their nature, second nature, part of the mechanics of the way that they think and they behave, and also giving them their body responses to what we're asking them to do. Now, I told Olivia to also leave it open on the table and say, hey, you know, we may revisit this in a while. If you do well, we can find a different solution to it. But for now, this is what we agreed on. So let's talk about this again in a month. And let's see if you're able to turn it off every time, save your game and not throw a tantrum. Let's talk a little bit more about screen time, things that you are interested in. Okay. Now, uh, with Olivia, I also had her focus using the skill of effective communication with digital literacy, understanding advertisements, commercials, things that pop up, understanding that advertisements are meant to do certain things and drive certain emotions, and how to recognize those things. So the discussion with Olivia was super helpful, and I thought it would be helpful to share here as well on how we can manage our children who are on devices, and especially now because after the pandemic, it seems like more and more parents turn to devices during this shutdown, and now they're trying to refigure out exactly how to get their child to understand the dangers of being online, but also engaging again with the outside world and trying to combat misinformation that may be on your device and all of that, we really do need a generation that is savvy enough to recognize what is safe and what is unsafe online. And the time to teach them, the time for you to teach them is right now, regardless of their age. Otherwise, they're going to fall prey to psychological warfare. And when I say that, I'm talking about advertisements mainly because advertisements are meant to make us want things that we really don't need. So algorithms have changed and they're feeding us stuff that we are consistently bombarded with messages about, you know, consuming this item or buying this thing or whatever it may be. And if we don't recognize those, we can give in to those pressures or we can give in to those fairly quickly. So we want them to be literate in how they consume digital media and how they consume anything that they are online with. We want them to know that the online world is one thing and there are pots and holes and tricks and different parts of it that are not helpful, not to your child or to your family. So take some time to go and visit the notes on this podcast because there's a lot of Uh, information, and there are a lot of links that you can access to help guide you through this process. So that's it for me for this week. We talk about, you know, how to keep your kids safe online. My desire is for children to grow up prepared for the world and prepared to understand what is out there to be safe. I will be joining you again next week, and I'm super excited about that. Kimber and I will do a joint podcast also in the near future. And we are sharing these, you know, podcasts as a way for us to help parents with the questions that they have in raising their children. So that's it for me. And I will talk to you again next time. Right. Bye.